Hey family, thank you for tuning into Our Roots Podcast with Joseph Babaifa. We're only the strongest roots see the light. Brought to you by Botanica Candles and More. And if you haven't had the opportunity, please tap on that like button and hit that subscribe button. Today's topic is Ifa and entrepreneurship. This woman that is going to be accompanying me on this topic is my life partner, but most importantly for this episode, my business partner, Miss Erica Ochunporoye. Hey, welcome. family. Welcome back, honey. How's everyone doing? It's a pleasure to be back and excited to be talking about this topic. Absolutely. I remember we mentioned it a couple episodes back where people were really interested, um, especially with hearing our story um, with all the things that we're kind of involved with. You know, a lot of people seeing how they can incorporate some of these principles into their own establishment or uh, ventures. So um, I think an uh, important way to start off is to kind of uh, go into our past respectively within you know entrepreneurship and the, the skills that we learned leading up to getting to where we are so if you're so kind let people know where your uh, experience comes from within the financial industry perfect perfect so it um where do we start so i just first and foremost want to start out by you know talking a little bit about the struggle right because yeah. Even being in the financial industry, I struggled for many, many, many years to get my head above water. But um, starting in the corporate world, it was through banking. I actually started out as a bank teller. And um, as a bank teller, you, a lot of times, depending on the institute, um, the teller has responsibilities as far as referring clients. So identifying opportunities and then referring clients to the bankers to see if they can make a sale, whether it be open an account, open up a credit card, or a line of credit. So I noticed that I was really good at it. I was really good at being able to identify, you know, and having a small talk, build a little bit of rapport with my clients right on the teller line doing a transaction and be able to refer them to the bankers. And, you know, I just remember one day looking over at the banker's desk and thinking to myself, well, why can't I do that? You know, I might as well do it. I'm referring them all my business. Um, and so that's kind of where the journey started. The ambition started, that little fire inside of me, you know, that told me that I could, I could do more than what I was doing at the moment. Um, so I ended up kind of topping out. I was top in my region. Wow. Um, yeah. So region is not statewide. It's like a region is going to be like um, northeast, northwest. Southeast. It's, a, it's several states, right? So um, I was topping out as far as telling got promoted to what they call operations manager. So I would do all the auditing in the back. And I was the one that would kind of, you know, train the other tellers to be able to refer. So that's where I started. And then um, after that, I decided to become a banker. It became a goal. Um, I asked my manager, I sat down and I said, can you please put me on um, the path? Like, let me know specifically. And I needed in writing um, what it is you need from me to be able to get promoted. And that made them accountable yeah. by saying, what do I need to do and put it in writing and then just making sure I was doing that. And um, before you know it, I was getting um, fully licensed as a financial rep. So we, what we would call like a registered rep. I have like several um, financial certifications such as like a series six. Um, I have all my insurance licenses and of course now I have my real estate license. So, um, Fully functional, but they actually transferred me. I was able to have the benefit of moving from New York, which is what I wanted to get the kids out of New York, and they transferred me to Florida as a banker. 
put me through all my licensing and paid for it and then um, trained me as a banker. Um, and thus comes that thrive to become an entrepreneur because being um, a private client banker, which is what I was, uh, we did a lot of wealth management. And so just starting at the bank as a teller and just seeing everyone's you know financial situations and then going into and transitioning into a private client banker and seeing what those accounts look like, I've seen everything in between, you know, from the negative accounts, which I've had negative accounts myself in the past, so mm -hmm. definitely so, not judging that. I'm sure. Um, to, you know, people that I literally have seen people win the lotto and go through millions of dollars in six months. Oh. Um, and we see the entrepreneurs. So that's kind of where my thrive started is in banking, in the financial industry, and just had the benefit of working and speaking to so many people um, that really have impacted my life you know, motivated me in just in different ways, bad ways and good ways. What do I not do? I'm not going to do this. You know, what do I strive for? What's the motivation? So, yeah. I tell you, and I remember we've had many conversations, obviously, as we were brainstorming as to what our next move was going to be moving out of conventional employment. And um, I remember a conversation we had where you noticed that all of the people that were in a certain tax bracket over a certain amount with a certain type of account, they were all business owners. They were all independent in that regard. And um, you really imparted upon me this idea of this is the only way. And when you come from a certain background, it's a very traumatic thing, the idea of going from employed to employer, you know, because you have all of these false notions of I'm using people, people are working. Um, you know, to be able to provide for me and mine and my ambitions and my goals. But you begin to realize this has kind of been the structure of economy and uh, all these other, you know, establishments since the beginning of time, the pyramid structure, right? But the one thing I can be top. What does that mean? Multiple people can be at the climax of the pyramid. One thing I've noticed about entrepreneurial people is. And the common theme I see is that they think differently. You know, I remember when we had, you told me that story of, you know, you put it in writing, made them sign it, hold them accountable. These are not things a, a conventional employee would think about. You know, where did that ideology come from or where did that motivation come from to even hold your superiors accountable even though you were just coming in to be able to, you know, escalate? You know, once again, it's, it's going back to being around some amazing people being able to spend time with these people really like uh, pick their brains, I guess yeah. we can say. Right. And just understanding like that boss mentality, like, yeah. you know, you, you can put it on me. I have to be accountable, but you have to be accountable as well. Yes. So we both have to be accountable and, you know, not being afraid. I think that, um, one thing that I really am strong with, with my kids is, and this is really simple. If you want something, ask for it. You know, I will never forget. There was a, a particular, career opportunity in between struggles and coming in and out of entrepreneurship and then going back to work because that has happened as well and it is part of the journey um, you know sitting down and speaking to bosses and with my resume with confidence not cockiness there's a difference sure the confidence is this is what I know I can bring to the table yeah. and I will be accountable for that but um, I need this I need this much money you know and either you can give that to me or not. And, you know, I've heard a lot, well, this is, this is not the range. Well, this is my range because I know my worth. 
And so all of that, you know, once again, I learned from being around people who, you know, I, I can just their behavior and how they speak and how they set expectations for themselves as well as other people is more what I saw within the entrepreneurs that I worked with. A lot of self-awareness within this demographic. Um, as far as my background professionally, it's quite stark difference to yours. And I think that's why we've complemented each other so well within this realm. Um, I say, you know, we, we weren't as financially literate as maybe, you know, most people would have liked, you know, very, from a very young age, I saw the work ethic of the women that raised me, such as my mother and grandmother. You know, these were women that were working 70, 80 hour weeks, you know, so, you know, immediately I recognized as a young man, you do have to work hard, right? But as you get a little bit older and you begin to realize certain conditions of your situation, you're like, well, working more than everybody isn't necessarily going to get you more than anybody. Um, and then, you know, also having a hospitality background and understanding that the way you treat people is going to play a huge role in how successful you're going to be, not only in business, but in life, right? Um, entrepreneurship, to me, has always been pain. I feel that before you can be a leader, you have to learn how to be your own boss, because it's kind of like... When we look at the conventional academic system within this country, they teach you how to be employed. They've created a workforce for themselves, right? Eight-hour day, six to seven classes, um, a lunch break. You're sitting in a room, you know, something we're very familiar with, both working at call centers. But what happens after high school? What happens when no one's telling you what to do? Um, I think that's the biggest handicap our youth has, or at least I had, coming out was, what am I going to do now? Um, especially when nothing within the curriculum of a collegiate degree interests me, you know, and then you have this, uh, this definite, definitely, um, you know, ulterior life path that you're thinking about where the first thing they tell you is you're not going to be successful doing that. No one is going to invest in that. And, um, you know, it, it, it sincerely motivated me. But one thing I realized that I wasn't going to be able to avoid was pain. Where in contrast of being unmotivated, waking up at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, I remember I'd be, I'd be going to bed when you were getting out of work, you know, and um, realizing that that wasn't going to cut it, you know, in a, a workforce and um, a space where it's so competitive, um, realizing that you have to hold yourself accountable. For example, in real estate, you have to knock on a certain amount of doors. You have to be up before the competition. You need to put in those extra hours. Um, you know, what, what do you define as entrepreneurship based on your own personal experience then? That's a great question. Yeah. That's a very important question. Yeah. I think that a lot of people should ask themselves <clears throat> that question as well. If they're looking to become an entrepreneur and really hold that title to what it is. And I think that's the first, I don't want to say problem, but misconception. I think that a lot of people are quick to believe that they're entrepreneurs, um, when they are not by definition. It's not a bad thing. Recognize what you're not, and so you can work towards being what you want to be, the goal, right? One of the benefits that I had working at the bank was I was a business specialist, and I was a relationship manager. So particularly one of the things I did was I sat with business owners, and I was able to learn something. There's a big difference between being self-employed and being an entrepreneur. There you go. The two are not the same. They are very different things. And a lot of times you're going to start out by being self-employed. And that's okay. You should know your craft. You should work it. You should, you should cater to it. Um, you should cultivate it like we did with the store. 
We no. were there for two years, seven days a week, yeah. cultivating that store. And that's the self-employed part, right? But ultimately, the bigger picture is to become an entrepreneur. And that's when you own a business. And what that means is, if I, don't, if I can't go to work today, I'm still making money. If I go to sleep, I'm still making money. If I take a nap, I'm still making money. Because you built an enterprise at that point where you know, your stream of income should be earning you passive income you know, throughout the day, throughout your life. And so that, that is the goal to really create us, to become an entrepreneur in that sense. And I think we have to get the definition straight first, right? That's what an entrepreneur is. You own a business, you don't have to come to work. You know, if you're a medical professional, for example, and you're contracted, then, you know, some might think that you have a business. But in reality, you know, if you're a surgeon and you broke your hand, you know, you can't come to work. Nah. By no means. So your income is gone. And so I think that's where we want to educate people because I see that there is a disconnect and it causes poverty because, you know, we work towards things, but we're not really working towards the entrepreneur, business owner lifestyle. We're working more towards, as a society, it's more common to see self-employed individuals. And, you know, being that we are a five practitioners, you know, and, and just kind of comparing the two, I think that IFA is, is very much the same in that sense. In order to function and really have a successful spiritual house, for example, like we have, the goal is teamwork. We can't do everything. We can't be everything. We don't want to be everything. We don't want to know everything. What we want to do is we want to empower our team, the people that entrust us to be part of our religious home so that they can grow this belief system with us so we're not doing it alone so if i'm closing a real estate deal one of my godchildren you know might be doing a ceremony you know for an orisha ceremony and so the two are different but the same Orumila was an came to the next level was oshun when they got married because and this is kind of similar to our story i have to say Orumila was excellent at his profession he was bar none um, someone that was really apt when it came to his practice within divination or ceremony. But he wasn't very good at marketing. He wasn't really um, accustomed to the idea of making himself accessible to the point to enter into a competitive market, even though other Baalaos were doing it, but maybe not offering the same quality of product. When he began the relationship with Oshun that ultimately led to the birth of Poroye, their daughter, um, Poroye quickly realized that you know he was a talented, competent man but no one knew he existed. So immediately she started, you know, presenting ideas to him, at which first he was a little bit resistant based on, you know, his training up until that point, but quickly realized he needed to be profitable to be able to provide for a woman and an upcoming child, right? And based on Oshun's entrepreneurial spirit, um, she was able to take his Ifa practice to something that till this day has been incomparable. You know, we see a lot. I remember when I told... Uh, my grandmother always wanted me to be a doctor. May she rest in peace, Aurora Fernandez. And um, especially when she found out my father had become a physician, and you know, she kind of she she recognized some similar qualities between me and him. She said, "You should be a doctor," you know, based on the lifestyle that is associated with the medical professional, right? Which sometimes can be deceiving. Um, and I was all for it. You know, I thought medicine was beautiful. It was a respectable profession. I felt like I had the nation. Well, let me start taking some prerequisites, right? 
the problem was is as I was progressing um, within this course of study, I was always distracted by Ifa. And I felt it would be a little disingenuous for me to be a neurosurgeon and focusing on what does that sign say? And I remember I told my grandmother this and, you know, I, I wanted to be a Baalau full time one day. And, you know, the poor thing, she broke down. She was terrified. She said, no, be a doctor. Ifa can be a hobby. Right. And I told her, no, I'm somehow I'm going to be able to provide for my family with this. And she gave me her blessing. But needless to say, she was scared because the idea of going from employment, when we look at that generation, you know, of we work, we get a pension, retirement, all the conventional ideas of life that no longer apply today, especially with social media and things like that. She wanted the same thing for me and even more because she wanted me to have a stable employment for my family. Um, but I tell you, if the Ifa professional is not entrepreneurial, there is no way to be successful, I think. Because if we go by old school customs, you know, one of the first things Ifa says is we're hermetic. We're entering into a stage now where Ifa is on the forefront. We're the worst kept secret there is, you know. Um, you see us on the wrists of famous uh, artists. You see us being nuanced and mentioned in movies no secret anymore um and there is no taboo in making yourself accessible um but what that leads to is the idea of the babalawo or the orisha professional we have to have the same qualities of the entrepreneur we have to wake up early we have to market ourselves we have to work you know a certain with a certain ethic we have to be ambitious all these different things because it is a, a it is a license it is a licensed profession like insurance real estate the other things that fall under this umbrella and ironically we were speaking about something the other day that i'd love for you to touch on it you know the, the bawalawo as well as the olorisha priest has a right to charge for their services you know? i mean we've, we've kind of seen this movement on social media yeah. where you know there's this idea that's trying to be sold uh to people that the orisha ceremony should be free that you know it's appalling godparents could charge derechos correct um and that couldn't be further from the truth in yeah. my opinion because um i value my orishas yeah i we, also we value pay, my time we paid for them yeah and you know for me to really positively affect someone else's life i can't do that for free because i'd be negatively affecting my own life oh yes and another thing that we need to realize when we're a child so I run this by my household. I don't give my kids anything. I don't no, give do my not. children anything. They earn the things they want. Come yes, up with a plan. This is what you want. And this is how you get to it. When people work for things, when people suffer for things, when people cry for things, and they achieve that goal, they will value that forever. They will respect it forever. If I give you something, that value is gone. That's why a baby gets a toy and in three months they're done with it, you know, next, you know. So it's that same mentality. And you look at, you know, what I like to call this fake philanthropy within Ifa. Yes. This is taboo. Not charging for your service is absolutely taboo. When we look at the Odu of Bayobe was where Orumila and this Odu did not charge for his services. And what happened was is his clients were dissatisfied, even though he was resolving all their issues. The other Bawalawos began doing witchcraft to him because he was undercutting them with a better quality service. It ultimately cost him his life because he was called back to heaven, died, where Olodumare um, 
presented the evidence against him. And Orumi said, well, I'm just trying to fulfill the oath that I promised to do before I set out into the world with my Ifa practice. And Olodumari said, you can still do it even though you charge. So the next time came around, the next incarnation, and people went to, you know, see him once more. And he said, hey, still same quality, just with the price. Because if not, Olodumari said, you cannot live. And know that you cannot live. Because giving and giving and giving, this is not necessarily, it's not that it's not the entrepreneurial spirit, but everything has to make sense. We cannot be emotional. We must be logical. We must be calculated. I think that goes back into, and we were talking about that, I was at a seminar, and they talked a lot about how easily, as human beings, you know, we are, we can be sweet, we can be influenced. And we really have to look at that. How are we being influenced, influenced in general, right? By our spiritual professionals and as entrepreneurs, right? Because if we look at an entrepreneur and the characteristics and the behaviors that they demonstrate, um, you don't see an entrepreneur standing by themselves. No. You don't see an entrepreneur focusing on fear. They're telling you, they're motivating you, and they're telling you as well as they've told themselves. That's why they've gotten to where they've gotten. I'm going to do this. It's going to hurt. I'm going to suffer, but I'm going to get it done. I'm going to work hard for the things that I want and the things that I need. And then the, the entrepreneur gives that to others because if I empower you, you can do something for me the day after tomorrow, and then you can grow. And that benefits me. That's the entrepreneur mindset, right? That we, we, we speak in positive tones, right? And Manifest. so it's harder, actually, as human beings, if we study the behavior of human beings, it's harder for us to be influenced in a positive way um, due to generational traumas. Our um, actual mind and the way our chemical makeup is, I'm not a psychologist. We're resistant but to I've it. studied people because I've been in sales my whole life. And so we are processed to be pessimistic. Yes. Right? And so it's so easy to, it's like when you see people, um, even other religious organizations aside from Ifa, why do people feel more comfortable being sold the idea that they're giving a donation? They feel more comfortable with that. They feel like, oh, I didn't have to do it. I'll do it because I want to. Yeah. But yet they stipulate how much you have to pay out of your you know, how much should your donation be? But it's a donation. But it's a donation. Correct. But, you know, people, it's interesting, feel more comfortable with that. People, in general, we feel as human beings more comfortable following fear rather than faith. Um, and, and it goes with, it's the same thing with Ifa. So you see, you know, a lot of religious leaders or professionals, anyone that has a voice or a platform, what I've noticed that I've seen a lot is a lot of negativity. So what do I mean by that? You can't do this. That's wrong. Correct. They're wrong. They don't know what they're doing. They can't charge the financial. This person doesn't do that. This person, and it's like, if you notice, it's always a negative tone. They don't lead with a positive tone. For example, when we discuss something, we make sure that we don't really put our personal opinions out there. What we do is provide the information. We do this within our that you know, we're not fans of. So what do we do? We sit our people down and say, hey, these are the signs that speak of this yeah. against it. You know, these are our thoughts, but what are your thoughts? We let them make the decision because they're adults. Yeah. And they have a right to make a decision within their spiritual path. 
And it's not our job to influence that. It's our job to educate people. So it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. You're going to notice that the entrepreneur leads in a positive. We're here to motivate. We're here to get you going. And it's the same thing in the spiritual. When you see people standing alone on a stage, um, just talking a bunch of nonsense, and they feel that they're on the top already, oh, yeah. that's a red flag. The entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur, is always being mentored and is always mentoring. Yes, ma'am. You are never at the top of your game. So anybody who stands in front of a platform and says, I know everything, you know, sometimes you see them standing in front of a bunch of books. And, you know, that gives the impression, I mean, because because we're touching on how we influence people. The psychology that's an influence strategy because that, I, I'm letting you know that I've read all these books, which is thus edifying myself so you can believe in what I'm saying. That could be a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's 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 something that we need to take a step back and not be mesmerized by things that are exterior that are not real. No, you know? correct. And I say that because, to be frank with you, I don't necessarily want to follow the guy that's read 100 books, but I would love to be around the guy that's closed 100 transactions, right? Exactly. One doesn't necessarily correlate to another. And guys, you know, um, it's like Poroye was saying, you, you see a lot of materials and whatnot, and you find good stuff in this, this, this literature sometimes, but please don't get caught up on, I got to make it to that next seminar, or I have to buy this next book, or this new app, or this new program. At the end of the day, None of that matters unless you get off of a chair and go interact with people. I think that's a big thing with entrepreneurship. And I'm not saying everybody has to be charismatic. I'm not saying everybody has to be conversational. It's all being productive. You know, some of the, the greatest business minds on earth are actually socially a bit reclusive, you know, but they know how to incorporate their words and their actions in a way where they're able to have quite an impact without having to say or do too much. It's like you say, this presence, this ambiance, this, uh, this poise, you know. One thing I, I'd like to say as well is Orumila was an excellent team builder. This gentleman was able to recognize that he wasn't good at everything, but he was surrounded by people that were. So what did he do? He said, I don't know how to do that, but you know how to do it to perfection. So based off what I'm able to generate over here, I'm going to compensate you to do that for this establishment. And because of it, all of the Orishas were desperate to work with him. When you look at, in my Odu, which is the Odu of Irete Suka, was where Orumila realized he wasn't going to be able to do neither the Orisha ceremony or the Orifa ceremony alone. So what did he do, being commonsensical and logical? He said, well, I'm going to invite other people to come and do things I'm not going to be able to do. Which people were surprised by because they're like, you understand we're charging you X amount of dollars to be able to do this process and he said well the thing is is i'm losing more money by trying to do it myself when i got 10 more of these to come you know and the orishas were instantly enlightened and it also motivated them to invite him a candle never went out by lighting another candle this is an duo through bombirete so when you look at pseudo entrepreneurs as i like to call them the guys say, that are closing 40 45 transactions a year right um they have off of their actions and what have you, but they're not feeding them anything. They're not teaching them anything. It's like you said, mentoring and being mentored. They think they know everything. They're a one-stop shop. They've plateaued. They've limited themselves by, I, I don't like to use the word greed, but they are being, you know, they're, they're very, they're very auto-sufficient in that regard. When, if they would look and say, hey, 
I have 100 deals ready to go. I physically have already been able to ascertain that I can only get 45 done this year. How about we work something out on these other 55 and now I'm limitless? You know, have you seen that, you know, being a hindrance towards people? I've seen it all the time, all the time where, you know, the money is great, you know, and they, I've seen people work themselves into the grave. Yep. Money you know, is everything, yeah. Chasing the entrepreneur dream and lifestyle, but the thing is they didn't get it. They didn't get the, the fact that you're not an entrepreneur unless you can build a team. Unless you can get people to make money and everybody benefits from that, you're not an entrepreneur. There you go. You might be somebody who's successful in, in whatever you perceive success to be, right? Yeah, yeah. With um, you might know. make some money, but, you know, you are limited yeah. at the end of the day. And that's what we want to avoid. And that means you're self-employed. As an entrepreneur, there is no limits. You no. don't create limits for yourself. You grow, and you grow, and you grow, and the goal is passive income. Now, just to be clear, we are not talking about multi-level marketing. Very different. that is very different. Very that's different. another way that, with all due respect, anything that we can look at and say this is a get-rich-quick thing, not That's real. not how entrepreneurship works. Well, it's That's a long not game. how having a business works. It is the long road. It's not let me convince 10 people to sign up for something that costs $19.99 a month and now I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I, I definitely recommend against that. You have to work to keep them in. That I, I want to talk about that because, yeah. you know, you have people out here that are taking advantage of people, selling them a dream. Don't sell people a dream. Empower them. Yeah. Teach, Show them what to do, how to do it. You know, not take more money from them and I think it goes back to that mindset that we've been registered from when we were born to be workers crap like you said look how the school system is set up you know be a good boy and a good girl go to school get some good grades learn about a bunch of stuff you're never going to use ever in your life um we're not going to teach you financial literacy which by the way I would go to the schools to teach children how to save pennies in a box yeah. So they can know the value of money and how to save money and how to earn money. Because that's something that unfortunately is not in our school system. It's not a we priority for the why. 99%. Why you is know? it? Because there's a 99% <clears throat> and there's a 1%. And how do you think 99% of people end up not wealthy? By the mindset, by what we've been taught, what we've been conditioned to believe. And another thing we were talking about the other day, what's the biggest thing we get conditioned to believe? Money is in everything. Are we talking about that the other day? Like Drake said, you know, you have no money, money isn't everything, right? You know? I think that's the biggest misconception and the biggest lie that we've been told. Money is everything. Yeah. Because if you have a child that's sick and you can't go to work, oh, yeah. you just got fired from your job, oh, yeah. money is everything. When you got those kids that haven't seen you in 12 hours and they cried themselves to sleep, money is everything. Yes, ma'am. When you, when, when I've seen hundreds of people pass away and leave nothing to their families that's money is in everything that's something we've been told to keep us in poverty yeah and i think that was the biggest motivation to become more entrepreneurial was to spend more time with you guys and when i realized that um you know we were embarking on a long and arduous journey to be liberated um you know i was able to find solace in knowing hey these next two years or however long it took before things really opened their wings. I, I won't see my children. I'll see my children asleep twice a day. I'll be up before they wake up and I'll come home when they're asleep, you know, but that won't be forever. That's only an issue 
for as long as the and we create and see this new mindset that they can get this out of the way quicker that that suffering Start that now. seven days yeah, that hard no, work, no. and that way they can enjoy their families they can enjoy their life that's that's what it's all about it's it's the money isn't everything the money is what creates the lifestyle that you want yeah. whatever your your vision of success in is if you really go deeper money is going to be involved so let's not tell ourselves money isn't anything anymore because that's a lie and I, I used to feel guilty about that you know coming from um a marginalized um beginning you know, where, you know, having too much money was actually stigmatized, like, you know, because I remember just coming from a very old world concept, you know, like in Hialeah, you know, you'd see somebody drive by with a nicer car, or, you know, you walk by a nice restaurant, see people eating, and it was shunned by our community. They'd be like, you know, how dare those people? Oh, whatever. Look at those people. And begin to have this resentment towards financially progressing. You know, there was, well, you know, there's honor and looking in the fridge three times and getting a spoon of parmesan cheese you know what i'm saying i think one of the things that most in you know uh made me admire you um was your 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 precision with preparation by no means family do we think that this needs to be oh my god we saw this video and we're just gonna you know, liquidate everything and invest and, you know, no, it, it is, it is a lot of precision when it comes to preparation, which is where victory resides. I remember it took us, what was I, I was, I was scoping around a year, you know, looking at rates and prices of things. You were looking at locations, it, you it know, really business in, plans, really action plans, this the, industry. The field that we were going to be in, we infiltrated it. Over a year. To, to see what people were doing, what they weren't doing, what we could do better. What were they failing um, where were, they we failing, where were they succeeding? Follow success. Um, it was a process. Pitching investors. I mean, I am telling you, this is a process. And then when we opened it, just the work that went into it. Well, let me say something real quick. Uh, you know, I remember the days when, uh, when we, you know, we're three, four months in, and there were days when literally nothing but like dust would come into the botanica, and I'd look at you, and you'd be so calm, and I'm kind of looking around, like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And you were like, nope, this was part of the plan. You know, we're two years ready to go, so yes. hang on tight, Poppy. Yes, that's the beauty of a business plan. Can you I educate, what is gonna, what is a business plan? A business plan. Let me tell you something. 99% of the people I sat in front of to open up business accounts for at the bank did not have a business plan. I would sit in front of them. Scary. I would say, what's your business plan? Make they would money. say, I don't have none. <laughs> yeah. I said, okay, well, how much money have you set aside for this venture? None. I don't have any. <laughs> and... um. And you realize why 99% of people don't know. Fail, we didn't, we right? don't know. We don't plan for it. We don't realize that it's a process. And then you have to be patient. Now, in a, as a society, we're very entitled. Yes. It goes back into Odisha as well. Every, you know, people are entitled. No, no, I want to do it for free. They have to do Odisha to me for free. And my ceremonies have to the be Odishas free. The Odishas didn't do it for free. mindset. Like, who are you for anybody to do anything for free to you? Regardless of whatever your situation is, you know, they say, oh, if somebody's sick, oh, if somebody says we have to salvarlo. To be honest with you, you know, with all due respect, now I'm not being cold and callous, but divine there's justice. something called divine justice and karma. I don't know what that person did in another life. I don't know what to they did in their the house situation. if they were torturing animals or torturing people. It's not my job, you know, to give a charity to somebody that I don't even know. But the Orishas didn't, first and, and foremost. give them Orisha for free, something like that is so sacred to me. No, no, no. Give it to you for free. I'll give it to you, but it's not going to be free. 
you need to work for it just like I worked for it. And it's the same thing with the mindset of the the entrepreneur and the business owner. This is going to be easy. We get into it thinking it's going to be easy. No, we got into this knowing this was going to be hard. And I was ready to fail for two years. And we failed forward for two years. Yeah. We, I mean, there was days that, you know, we had one customer that came into the Botanica. Oh, man, we schmoozed them. We made them feel like, like, we've made them feel like king of the world. And one turns into three, three turns into five, and five is about to turn into 15,000, you know? It's relationship building. It's treating 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 people people well. Well, and, you know, being human, giving a human experience to people. And and it's, it's really quite simple, you know, just treat people well. And, and build relationships with people. You can and be They will human. come. They will come. And patience. Patience. You see, I had a two-year, we had a two-year plan. So I didn't have to, you know, shove a candle someone's throat, down someone's throat. No. I didn't have to use a fear tactic. I didn't have to get on a platform and scare everybody to say that, you know, they're all going to hell or they're doing everything wrong or all this ceremony is wrong. We didn't have to do that. We didn't have a need to do that. No. And I tell people today, just like I tell people Back in those days, you know, the beauty of what we do and how we practice is I never have to do a ceremony if I don't want to. Because at the end of the day, I'm always going to make money off of my other businesses. I'm going to sell a house or I'm going to sell candles. That's what I do. We, we have a legitimate store <laughs> where we sell candles and, and, and have customers. And that, that was hard work and we've done it. So anybody else can do it too whether it be candles or whatever they're in where they, whatever their vision is because i think the biggest thing also to touch on honey is the passion yeah. when i saw the passion in you and the passion i had in me and the love i had for this practice and this culture i knew that we we're going to be successful because yes. we love this we love what we do we love it and i think that's a big part of it if anybody out there is, is thinking about what they're going to do you have to love what you do if you're going to be successful. You have to have if, a passion for it. If you never want to work again, you have to love what you do. Definitely. You know, I'll never forget I had a conversation, you know, once again, when you're around influential people. You get influenced. Um, we had a, a financial advisor, and um, he owned, you know, as well as working for the bank, his wife owned several um, nail salons. Wow. And, you know, I just have this ambitious mindset, so I dig deeper, and I'm like, you know, wow, I, I want to open up a nail salon. You know, how, tell me about how you guys did that. You know, I want to learn about it. And the guy looked at me. He said, do you know how to do nails? I said, no. He said, would you like to do nails? you like to do pedicures? Have you studied for it? Are you going to get certified for it? I said, no, I'm just going to run a business. Sure. He said, you're going to fail before you even started. Yeah, it's not real. And, and that's, that's a big part that I think people don't get that part. Like, you need to love what you're doing. Like, remember what we were thinking about doing a whole nother business. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that wasn't going to work out well because it, 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 put it this way, I had so much faith in your preparation. You remember, I'll never forget, we had that conversation where, hey, we're either going to do this or we're going to open a Botanica. And I remember telling you flat out, right, I said, we need to do the other business because I don't think the Botanica is going to be able to provide, you know. Um, and I remember the next day you came to me and said, we're opening the Botanica. And I looked at you flabbergasted. I said, you really need to reconsider this. And she said, no, or you said, no, there's a need, you know. I think long gone is the time of pump and dump money and invest. Like, hey, I have this business, the Scarface mentality. I got the Montana Realty Company. I got the nightclub. And everything's just running itself autonomously. And I'm just sitting back, you know, accruing this wealth. Well, look how Tony Montana ended, right? Um, it's, it just does not work. You need, And it's not, uh, it's not about having a mentality of distrust with your employees or your partners. It's that your business 
is your life to a certain degree. When you're when you're within that industry, if you're really passionate about it, like the hardest part, and we just you know we, we interviewed Ellie, and that episode will be coming out if it hasn't at this point. I look at ex-military professionals. I even look at people, um, you know, that were athletes, people that we've had the pleasure of speaking with, and the hardest part for them is walking away. And I see that with the you know, vacation is traumatic for them. You know, Mark Cuban, um, really inspirational guy, star of Shark Tank, amongst others. When he was getting his business up and running, he did not go on vacation with his wife for seven years. And look at us. You know, we just went on back-to-back vacations after how much time, being able to actually say, hey, we're going to take three weeks to just go off the grid. But I tell you, as much as I love spending time with the family, you know, in the back of my mind, as days are going by, like, I'm like, oh, my God, we got to get back to work. And it's not that we need to get back to work, but there's this this DNA. Right. Um, and it's something I don't think that can be taught. I do think it is something that could be developed. Though. Yes, I do believe that as well. You know, I, I think that. When you have this this DNA, whatever genome it is, whatever code it is, when you have this ambition, and, and there's a big difference between ambition and greed, I think. Too much ambition, um, unmeasured ambition can be destructive. But when you have this concept of motivated patience that I like to call it, where you're giving your all every day towards a goal and accepting that that's what you could do, you will see results. You know, I ask you, um, what puts you in the best entrepreneurial mindset? in a day like how do you start off your day what is your day looking like what are are some things you're getting done off the bat to be like okay straight entrepreneur mode today we're gonna achieve goals and hit marks today what what are you doing to start off your day first and foremost um, starting out with gratitude taking a moment to just be grateful for everything you do have yes ma'am you know taking a moment to just really cherish whatever you've cultivated at that point in time whether it's any milestone, enjoy every milestone and celebrate it because that's an important part of the journey is taking a step back and saying, wow, I did this, I accomplished this. I'm always excited because either I'm cultivating something that I love so much that I'm doing, whether it be real estate, whether it be you know the botanica, whether it be coaching people spiritually, whether it be my godchildren, I'm always excited because it's always something to do that, you know, I feel passionate about. And we've been able to create that, and it's a, it's a huge blessing. I think another thing, though, is I'm a dreamer. And if you know me, then you know that I'm always planning for the next thing. I'm always, I'm a very one-year, five-year, ten-year plan type very of innovative, person. Yeah. I'm also a short-term um, plan type of person. So what do I have going on for the next three months? And keeping myself busy working towards that. What do I have going on within the next year and then next five years? So it always keeps me like excited and passionate about working towards something new. And um, like, you know, we we've just been able to without getting into details, you know, we've we just recently established something that will generate another source of income. Right. And, you know, our kids are like, wow, you know, you passive income. You guys are possibility of it. And I said, guys, how long have you seen me plan for this? And I've actually been planning for this that we just initiated for two years. Yeah. I've been talking about this for two years. With and I, and I talk it to, I've been talking to it about people, you know, with people that, you know, I'm close to, that I trust. But more importantly, with you, yeah. like I'm just talking your ear off about things. Yeah. And but that's what excites me. I don't yeah. know. It excites me. And it's like, OK, I've accomplished this. Now let me call 
activate it. We, we're here. Now let's make it run. Let's roll it. Let's roll it. And that takes time, but it's fun while you're doing it. And then when that's established, then what else are we going to do? Because I already have another plan. So I think, I mean, that's literally how I live my life. You know that already. Yeah. I'm like hyperactive. Yeah. Like in that in way. In all the best ways, I think, um, like I mentioned in the beginning, the entrepreneur thinks differently. They see a need or they see an opportunity, but they're also looking at the quickest path to fulfilling both of those things, the opportunity and need at hand, right? Where we might be able to accomplish something with $100 million, but, you know, we might also be able to accomplish it with $10,000. And I think that's the big difference, you know, maintaining yourself profitable, staying sharp, um, and really being alert. And that only comes with passion and, uh, and, and, and focus, right? I think another great thing is when we talk about residual income, generational wealth, educating your children, showing them what they can accomplish at a young age. Um, at least within, with me, within Ifa, um, 31 now, um, some of the things that I've done, most people might not be doing until they're 50, 55, right? And I think that the biggest difference with me was why do I have to wait so long? If I can get my character and conduct to a point that resembles, you know, veteran gentlemen if if i can educate myself at a pace um, without rushing to be you know comparable you know why not right now so i think that's really big and you know, as far as me my routine is once again the gratitude taking those 15 minutes to be able to rationalize everything be thankful a, a to-do list for me is very important um making sure i'm prepared for tomorrow today um and trying to be as physically active and healthy as possible putting the right things in body and um you know having like like you taught me those that that goal list you know short term long term extended periods of time one thing that's been very influential in our journey as well is this wonderful industry called real estate um that you're a part of um where did that passion come from you know where when did you say hey not only residential transactions but you work with investors quite a bit where did this desire come like I love homes I love the idea of putting people in a home I love the idea of constructing a home um you know vicariously where does that come from how it started really goes back to banking because I helped so many people um I was a loan officer as well as well so wow. I would help people um, get ready to purchase their first home so I could hand them over to a, an actual mortgage officer because there is a difference you can be a loan officer and not a mortgage officer right and I just remember that that was my favorite part of the job actually like helping people get ready to buy a home, yeah. um, like that consultation, that planning process. And I, I really said to myself, wow, I could, I could probably make this happen. And just going into that, I'm going to touch on really what pushed me to become an entrepreneur while we're speaking of it. Um, during that time, there was a transition that was happening. We were getting compensated very well to transition our clients to online models. So, you know, I was getting compensated very well for teaching people how to use the ATM, <laughs> um, how to make a deposit in the ATM, how to start their online banking and download an app, because in that time, it really wasn't common. And we're talking about, well, like 2013, 10 2014. Years ago. Wow. It wasn't as common that you do your banking right on your phone. You know, I was one of those people that kind of, you were at the, the forefront, banks. yeah, with your establishment. What's interesting is going into mindset and how we're easily influenced. You know, they threw a few bonus checks at us, yeah. and they paid us. And you know, 
everybody is excited. They're like, oh, I'm making all this money. I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. Yeah. And there was just this one day, because I do this. You know I do this. I have, you take, you step I have back. epiphanies. Yeah. I have epiphanies. Yeah, and this one day, it's, it's, yeah, exactly, it's yeah. Um, This one day I said, wait a minute. They're paying me so that I can replace myself. Yeah. They're going to get rid of us. And why are they paying you so we're well? We're done. We're done. They're, you know, we're getting, we're, we're chasing the cheese here. Yeah. You know, they have us like little rats, you know, yeah. where they're holding the meetings, they're selling us the bonus. But at the end of the day, we replaced ourselves. Yeah. If you walk into a bank right now, you will see not more than one to two employees. When I was in banking, there was 15 of us on staff yeah, at any given time. When I realized this, I realized it was time for me to go. It was time for me to go. And that's when I got into real estate. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cow teaching a butcher how to use a knife, you know, and um, it's happening. I mean, with the recent, um, you know, functions you've been to and people you've been around, this thing called AI and people really delving into the possibilities of it all and seeing how powerful it is. Um, you kind of think back to that Will Smith movie, you know, where could we go? But, I mean, you could really create anything right now with a couple of uh, vocal notes, you know. Um, I, I, I'm sure you hear this uh, – this question all the time, but um, how's the market? You know, you being somebody that's involved, somebody that's seen the interest rates go up and down, you know, you hear so many things. Um, you know, what do you feel about the state of real estate, where it's going, and how people could take advantage of it right now? Real estate is selling just as much as it's ever sold right now. That's incredible. You know, I think that, <laughs> once again, mind control. If somebody, if, if enough people get on the news and say the market's crashing, You'll believe the market's it. gonna crash. Sure. Um, if enough people go in and say the stocks are dropping or getting ready to drop, enough people are gonna pull their money out and make it actually crash. Um, I, I actually worked for a bank um, that transitioned or should we say merged or got bought by another financial institute. And I'll never forget that for some reason the media started announcing that we were shutting down, which we really weren't at that moment. Um, you know, maybe our cash flow was lower than, you know, whatever meets the criteria right but really what ended up happening was the media made such a big deal out of it everybody pulled their money out yeah they created the it they agitated it we yeah. went down within a week so the power of controlling the masses yeah there's proof in it everywhere you go look at history and look at the present what i would say about things like ai it's you know we're, we're growing as a community i mean you know what was foreign to our grandparents is not foreign to us right like the cell phone if somebody yeah. put a cell in front of my great grandma's face she would have got scared we fear what we don't understand right so i think uh, coming into ai a lot of people um you know feel a little creepy about it what i will say to people is get ready and make start making money towards having a business because one of the things that i see especially being in it when i got replaced by mobile banking um is that you know we're looking at the possibility of social classes being adjusted to where there's only going to be two social classes either you're going to be in poverty or you're going to be rich one percent so what percent are you going to be in that's the question that's what people need to ask themselves what percent are you going to be in and the first thing i just want to say before we go i know we're going over a little bit but this part is important about branding sure about what do we invest in because society has put it in our head something that success looks like you know, when I went into real estate, I got with a mentor. The first thing that that mentor told me yeah. was, if you want to be successful in real estate, you need to get the most expensive vehicle. The I'm Mazi not going to say brands. <laughs> you know, 
you know, if you want to be successful so people can believe in you and edify you. And from that moment, you know, I knew I didn't agree with that part of what the mentor was telling me. I knew I wasn't going to follow that because no. that's not what success looks like to me. If that's what that client wants to see, that's not my client. That's somebody else's client. I want to work with my people. And I don't have to put a fake persona. I don't have to, you know, try to portray what somebody else's success looks like because having an expensive car is not success to me. We need to start investing in ourselves. Why is it that as a society, we think success is to buy a $5,000 bag, put 10 chains around our necks, and, you know, buy the most expensive house? Why are we told that? Because we were implanted that envision that to that's feed what into success their is. Organism, yeah. Why? So that we can waste all our money. We won't invest. We won't become business Solidify owners. The 1%. And we're going to stay in the 99% people. Invest in yourselves. Yeah. I'm wearing a dress right now that's from Ross. Dress for less. Yep. Under 20 bucks. Yep. I'm wearing a pair of shoes right now, honey. That's pleather. 10 bucks. They're pleather. They're yeah. not real. And you know what? I look good. I feel good. I can close 10 deals like this. Yes, ma'am. I do not need to portray something that's not real. Yeah. Why Why should I invest <laughs> into somebody else's brand? You see? Because that $5,000 bag, that's somebody else's brand. That's not mine. Yeah. That's what society needs to change, that mindset. I'm so quick to invest in what we want to call the American dream, which is not real. It's a dream. It's, it's not, not real. real. What's it's time real to wake is up. for you to build generational wealth for yourself and for your yes, family. Yeah. That's what's real because I'll tell you something. I've seen money and I've seen money work in the bank. I'm not impressed. Yeah. Because I will tell you guys a little secret. The guys on top that we can say are wealthy in that 1%, they're not driving those expensive cars. Worst dressed guy in the room, God bless They're them. not wearing $1,000 shoes. Oh, God, no. And they are not wearing 10 chains around their neck. Oh, and that God, I can no. guarantee you because I have seen it. I have yeah, never, it. never, never. The ones that you see like that are the ones that have a little bit of money. You yeah, got, a couple of, got a couple of hundred grand liquid. Yeah. You got a few investments. You got a good job. You make a couple hundred grand. And then you're living way beyond your means. Yep. That, to me, is not success. No. Success is what the wealthy success you know? why is it that only one percent are doing it because society is breeding us to think a certain way to follow things that are not real and we're falling into it i think that's the biggest thing so when it comes to branding brand yourself yeah invest in yourself. you are your brand you know for me i've realized that in real estate we're going to position people the spiritual community yeah. you know i, I don't i'm not going to hide that i'm in real estate and then i'm also an Orisha practitioner, because that you take tomorrow. I'm a real estate professional. The day after tomorrow, I'm you know this business owner, and I think that that's another thing. Don't get caught up. Be one. Be you. Be one. Be you. Your people will come to you. Your customers will come to you. Let them be your people. Don't chase the people that are not yours, and that's the biggest thing that I've learned honestly on this journey, as of right now. Yeah, because um, if they're not yours, they'll never be yours. You're never going to convince them. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned about branding because the greatest brands are named after the brand door, right? Ferrari is named after Mr. Ferrari. You know, Gucci is named after the Gucci family. Um, I think it comes from a lot of trauma trying to impress people that are never going to be impressed by us trying to impress them. You know, the greatest um, impression you can leave upon somebody is your own self-edification, you know, the presence, 
the the tranquility and the confidence to say this is me in my most natural state and I'm I'm as comfortable as can be and uh, nothing but kudos to you um, especially being in such a corporate industry such as real estate amongst the other things that um that you're involved in and still carrying the flag of Ifan Orisha um, without shame without any um, reclusiveness of it you know this is who I am now mind you that doesn't mean I need to to a boardroom, hold up my wrist and be like Thundercats. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, we don't do those theatrics anyway. <clears throat> no, absolutely you know, not. Not even within ceremony. You know, that's that's not even real. That's no, that's, that's once again, that's it's TikTok. an image. It's an image. This is what the Olorisha looks like. We have God, our no. head wrap. We're wearing a hundred. We're yelling. Coyares, <laughs> and you know, we're cool. No, it's the same thing with anything else. Yeah. is no different than entrepreneurship than the financial industry. It's, same threads. Same it's core. It's all the same but different, right? So, I mean, not necessary. Um, what I would say about that, though, is just carrying a balance. So I'm still going to have those clients that are going to call me from Google that are not necessarily practitioners. I'm not going to go say, hey, guys, you know, would you also like a spiritual consultation on the no, side? No it's reason. all about balance. Yeah. But one of the things that I have found and the beauty of it and the benefit of it is since I've changed this mindset to really cater to my people, which is our culture, in our spirituality within real estate, there's so much help that's needed there. Oh God, yes. I've been able to just in this short time of position several gods who I'm preparing right now so they can tell I have to a stranger and let me spend my time with my people first. Yeah. You know, if other people come, that's great. Our community. But my focus is our community right now. Yeah. And I, I think that's gonna be best because you look at other demographics, you know, the exchange rate money between them you know some communities um maneuver you know finances between each other 15 to 17 up into 18 times you know when you look at the demographic of orisha and what we're composed of one to two times the max and we begin to understand why we haven't been able to scale you know and it's very important to invest in not only ourselves but each other you know so that's very key is to support a brother support a sister especially if they are rocking the green and yellow because um, they're going through the same things you are. So. And, and you know this about me. I've always worn my idea. I don't take my idea. No, no, you're better at it than I am. You like it or you don't like it. You ask sure. me about it, I'm going to sure. tell you. If you don't ask me about it, we're going to keep it moving. Yeah. But I don't take off my stuff for yeah. anybody. No, if you absolutely. don't like it, you're not my people. No, no, no. I don't have to do business with you. No. And that's just the way I see it. No. And that's the best way to be is authentic. What's next for uh, Erica, the spiritual realtor? Um, what's next is just rebranding myself in that way where I'm not wearing two different hats. I'm wearing one hat, which is me. I realize that people want the human experience. People just, they want you to be People you. love people. They don't want you to be, you know, this person on Monday, somebody else on Tuesday. You know, just be you. And that's what I plan on just being myself. You know, educating people about the home buying process, home selling process. Motivating people to become investors because I work with a lot of investors Trash as is well. cash. Cash is and, cash. you know, that's a great way to start building wealth is, is investing in real estate. And I want to educate people on that as well. So it, it's just a, a moderate incorporation and, you know, being able to just blend the two in a very elegant way. And that's my goal. That's my plan. I think you're doing so fabulously. I think it um, reiterates Orumila's message. Um, he was an advocate, an advocate for entrepreneurship and home ownership. And I think more of us would be able to accomplish these things if we have a resource such as yourself educating and orienting people. So from our establishment, thank you. From our community, thank you. 
And um, we can't wait to see that which is to come in the tail end of 2023 and kicking off 2024. Any final words for the community? Stay motivated. Yes. Stay positive. Yes. Think outside of the box. Always use logic and uh, move forward. Be the best you, whatever that is. Be the best you. Move forward and for what you want. Thank you. Family, couple notes I want to go over first and foremost. If you want to miss contact information will be in the description she's all over the place you can't miss her right apart from that members we want to give you a shout out and thank you for being a part of our program it's growing every day at a rapid pace let somebody know about the program if you're not familiar please tap on the link to be able to become informed as well as join right please like subscribe share comment the podcast is on all major platforms growing at a furious rate and uh, from all of us here, thank you. And until next time, see the light. We're not done yet. Oh, come on, Phil. You let me go through the whole thing. You don't tell me. I let you cook Do for I, a minute. Are we headphoning it? Yeah. Oh, my man. Right, right under your left elbow, honey. Oh. Oh, I, I was sad because I just wanted to make sure we had some elevator music. Oh, yeah. Well, I was I was vibing to what Erica was saying this whole entire time. Very enlightening it, stuff. It was like she was talking to me. I wish I knew you before when I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have bought that Escalade. <laughs> You remember that? You remember that thing? God bless him. Rest in peace. Oh, to do to that oh thing. Man, man. Wow, I'm like, with man, the chicken. My, my heart is hurting there. <laughs> all right, guys, that, that was a, that was an incredible episode. So thank you, sir. If you haven't thank yet, you. make sure you guys click that that like button. That was a very very good episode. But let's get some shouts. Give it to me. I love this music. All right, folks, we're gonna show some love to the people that show love to the page here. Yep. All right, let's some love to the vips vips here we go mel mel oh yeah hey what's up mel they have been a vip for three months that name is very familiar thank yeah. you let's give a shout out to jg jg thank you all right let's give a shout out to mike h hey mike let's give a shout out to robert to fuentes hey rob what's up man and let's here we got Maddox. Thank you, Pumpkin. And Gilly84. Gilly, you're the best. Now Thank I can you find members. Thank you so much. Thank you also the support, all of our supporters. All of our we supporters, so all of our tears. You guys make it possible that, you know, we can continue, you know, providing content. So we appreciate that. They keep us going, man. So, guys, see the light. <laughs>